Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hey, kids. Him and her on the road from the panhandle of Florida. Yes, we are in Lynn Haven, Florida. In fact, we had an interesting drive here. It's about a half hour from our house, but it's been raining for, what, the last 14 days? I think think we saw an arc over in the Gulf of Mexico (laughs) as we came in tonight. (laughs) But uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, We've got a bunch of things planned for you tonight. And as we usually do, we want to start the show with the the usual round robin. And uh, a huge round of applause and a big thank you to the keeper of the big plug, he without whom... You wouldn't be hearing us. Amen. That would be Dan Long. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Good hey, evening. Dan. How you guys doing? All right. Well, you know how we're doing because Dan has been working with us backstage. And let me introduce a new member of the cast for tonight. Uh, this is the man who got on his bicycle earlier this week and rode all the way up to Chicago with that long cord and the tin can that is allowing you to hear us from... Lynn Haven, Florida. Kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the man whose uh, who's place we're hanging out at, uh, Studio 812 in Lynn Haven. That would be Tom Hoots. Tom, hey, thank Tom. you. It was great to be here. I, I That was a long ride, and it's really hard to keep that string tight <laughs> enough to get a, to get the signal all the way to Chicago. But we managed. Your, we your did. People, your yes. people at that end are just great. <laughs> well, we, we have a beautiful studio that we're here in. And this building has been here for how long, this studio? Um, this was built in the mid-50s. Yeah, and, and it, you've had a, a recording studio here since? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, about 2004. Okay, well, folks can go to our Facebook page and they can see pictures of the studio. And so far, they've been mighty impressed with what they saw. They thought we were going to be in a closet somewhere broadcasting. I said, no, 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 we're going uptown. In fact, you should definitely go to our Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show, and you'll see some of the pictures. And in one of the pictures, you will see the control board that used to be a part of the Johnny Carson Show when the Johnny Carson Show was broadcast from the NBC studios in New York. That control board is one of the many control boards that they have here at Studio A12. And you decided to rescue that because you just didn't have the heart to let it go to the trash? Well, it was a little geekier than that. I really want, It's a Neve, and I really wanted a Neve preamp, and I ended up getting an entire console instead. But uh-huh. yeah, that did, um, when they rebuilt uh, Studio 6B after Carson went to California, I managed to snag that uh, console on the Very way out. cool. So, Dan, did that make your heart skip a beat? Because he just spoke a foreign language to me. I'm like, oh, good. I'm glad you got it. <laughs> no, well, and I was looking at some of the pictures that uh, you you and Steve were posting earlier, and I'm jealous. I want to play around in that place. It looks like an yeah. impressive space. Well, you got a place to stay if you ever make it down here. Tom has a room in the back. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> do. Yeah. So you can stay there. You stay there with the mic cables. We have a lot of mic cables yeah, in the yes. room. I've slept with mic cables before. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> uh, too much information. Uh, also hanging out in the newsroom is uh, Gabe Salgado. And Gabe, a little later tonight, we don't want to get into it right now, but a little later tonight, we're going to talk Super Bowl because there is a Panama City Beach connection to the Super Bowl yes. that we want to talk about yes, a little yes, later. Yes, yes, yes. 
Is Gabe wearing a jersey tonight? Because he often wears a jersey to support a particular team. Uh, no, I, I do not have a jersey on tonight. Okay, so you're not you're not calling it a team for the Super Bowl. I, I am not, but I must say I will be uh, looking forward to the uh, food during the game. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And the commercials. That's true. And that's the fun of it. And on the other side of the glass is Andrew B. Harris. Andrew, how are you tonight? I have no complaints. Been a pretty good day. You know what? You guys have had fabulous weather. Crazy February weather. Yeah, we leave and the weather gets nice. What's that all about? It's been sunny. It's been in the 40s and 50s. And come April, it's going to be snowing again? Oh, of course. Well, no, no. We've got auto show. It always comes a blizzard during the auto show, and yep. that started officially on Saturday. That's one of the reasons we left, yes. because we knew it's going to be horrible next weekend. Because President's Day is when it ends, and that's a week from Monday, and there's always a blizzard, but it does not stop people from showing up at the auto show. But that reminds me, we should mention that next week joining us will be Tom Appel from Consumer Guide, right. uh, with kind of a wrap-up since it will be then uh, the last weekend of the auto show, he'll tell you some of the things that he's seen and some of the things that you should be sure to see if you're going to check out the auto show. Yep. Oh, can I just quickly say as an aside, again, your show. Sure. if you go to the Steve and Johnny show page, you will see some goofy pictures from uh, auto show gone by. Yes. When I was a traffic person and I was wearing my auto show outfit. Is that the right? Okay. It. It's a lot like a costume, but it wasn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was a. It was crazy when the cars on your shirt would start moving. Too, yes, right? I know. There. I know. It's but also- they obeyed the stoplights. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of things planned for tonight, and throughout the show, you can uh, get to us. Either you can uh, phone us or you can text us at three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. That number again: three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. In a few minutes, we're going to introduce you to a, a good friend of ours, uh, Michael Lister. He's a New York Times and USA Today bestselling and award-winning novelist. He is a native Floridian. He's celebrating 25 years of his acclaimed John Jordan blood mystery thriller series. He's also debuting his first single, A Certain Age, and he's also debuting A Birthday. Mm-hmm. So we may uh, talk about all those things. So uh, a lot of things coming up. So stay with us on WGN. I'm about to die. Richard Iverson is saying. It looks like he already has. He's a gaunt 60-something, once white, now gray man, who looks a little like Nosferatu and smells like chemo. He's seated between Malcolm and Heather Harrison, across the desk from me in our office. A large room located inside the posh law firm of Lewinsky, Clemens, Bradley, and Sykes on 15th Street near St. Andrews. It had been decorated by a young, indulged female attorney from a family with money before she moved on to bigger and better things, leaving behind all her supplies and new furniture. That's just a taste of one of Michael Lister's books. The book is called The Night in Question. It's one of his Burke and Blade mystery thriller series, and he has a number of uh, incredible books. Michael, happy yes. birthday. Thank you. Thank you happy much. birthday, and welcome in here. And 
And you did not say this, but hands down, the most prolific writer we know. Because yeah. Are we looking at 50, how many books you've written so far? 50? Yeah, I've lost count. I'm not oh, sure. come on. I bet it's 56 or 57 by now. It should be 55 today. <laughs> oh, yes. That's right. And I Michael is. I really like that reading. Michael, Michael is a uh, USA Today and New York Times bestselling and award-winning novelist. He is a native Floridian celebrating 25 years of his acclaimed John Jordan blood mystery thriller series. And get a smidge closer to the microphone and, and, Michael, and put your gun away. <laughs> <laughs> John Jordan is one of your main characters yes. because you have another one that's kind of a, a – I always think of film noir. It's a noirish uh, yes. crime thriller mystery and that's jimmy riley, riley. yes set yes. in the 1940s in the 1940s soldier world war ii yes yeah, yeah. here in panama city and uh, most all of your books are in fact centered on the panhandle right? right yes yeah i this is home this is what i care to write about this is what i love um and so this you know i i will take trips to atlanta to tampa to miami to chicago maybe but um I you know this is home base and all of my characters live here and all of my series are are set here. Right. What I find fascinating is sometimes you will go back and you will dig up and research a a real case and then you'll put a spin on it and apply it to John Jordan or some of your other characters. What gave you the idea to do that? Well, I you know I grew up liking true crime, reading a lot of true crime books, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until the explosion of true crime podcasts and this renaissance we're having of true crime these days that, uh, and it started like most people with the podcast Serial mm-hmm. on the Heyman Lee case, mm-hmm. that I saw what was possible in true crime, especially for a novelist, because in the true crime community, you have all these message boards and Reddit. And people weighing in, and they bring in all these theories and their <laughs> ideas, and it's so rich. And I get to use their thoughts and ideas for red herrings, and so I I, I turn to true crime as a way of infusing new life into my series uh, because it's such a long series, and I plan on writing it for a long time to come. And so I'm always looking for ideas, and true crime, especially cases that are unsolved, has really given me a lot to work with. When you first wrote your first John Jordan uh, movie, listen to me, see, because they're a movie. That's the way you write. A movie plays in your head, and it's just wonderful, and you get sucked into it. Um, When you wrote that first book, did you intend for it to just kind of steamroll ahead for the next 25 books, 25 years? I really didn't. You know, back then, um, I started writing it in the summer of 94. It was published in 97. And back then I thought, maybe if I turn this into a series, maybe I could get 10 books, you know, out hmm. of it. I, I just had no idea. But um, I, I, I wanted to have a character that I could take through a lifetime, mm-hmm. and that's turned out what's happening to him. But prior to becoming a full-time writer, and you are legitimately a full-time writer, uh, you were a prison chaplain. 
So you must work some of those experiences into your books, because oftentimes when I'm reading them, I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if that ever actually happened yeah, to Michael. Especially the John Jordan series. Yeah, the John Jordan right. series. I'm thinking a lot of that happened somewhere in, in the prison walls. Well, and I started to answer your question about true crime that way, because mm-hmm. I was living true crime as a prison chaplain. I was one of 100 chaplains in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. And so every single day I was working with inmates, uh, convicted felons. I was hearing their confessions. I was looking at their cases. I was hearing, you know, all they had to tell me about their, their stories and then seeing the reality of life inside prison. And so when, the, when Power in the Blood, the first book in the series, comes out, John Jordan is a, a former detective who's become a prison chaplain and He's still feeling this pull, this draw to be a detective. That's his main vocation. And so he's, he's thrown in with all these criminals, and people automatically turn to him as when they need help, when there's mm-hmm. a crime. And uh, as the series goes on, he moves outside of prison chaplaincy and gets back into full-time detection as a sheriff's investigator for the Gulf County Sheriff's Department. But he still has that spiritual side he still has that really social worker side mm-hmm. and so when he's working a case he's wanting to help the people you know not just the victims but if he can even the criminals even even the murderers he's wanting to try to help them in some way find redemption find justice you know all of this sort of big issues related to mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. but with all of those big issues you do a wonderful job of making the reader, and I'm speaking from personal experience, really care about the people you're writing about. And I, I want to talk around this, but I'm going to kind of go there. <laughs> uh, I care enough about these people that there was something that you did to one of the characters more recently, and I thought, oh, no. He almost called you in the middle yeah. of the night. <laughs> I, I was like, what? I, I took your name in vain that night. <laughs> you know, I, if, I feel like if I, as the writer, care about the characters, mm. and they are real to me, yeah. and I am also bothered, hurt, mm. if they're hurt, um, I, am, I grieve if, if, they, if they die or something bad happens mm-hmm. to them. Um, I feel like if that's the case, then hopefully your reader will have that same experience. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I want. Are there times when you, you've got the plot, you got the book laid out, you know where you're going to go, you're writing it, and suddenly you get to a point and one of the characters says to you, no, I wouldn't do it that way. This is what I would do. Absolutely. Does that happen? Yes. And I, I'm a discovery writer, so it's, I don't even have an outline. But what do you mean when you say a discovery writer? So I'm writing into the dark, right? I, I am... I am have an idea. I had spend time with the characters and some of the plot ideas. But when I start, I only have a vague notion of where it's going. And okay. so every morning when I go to the keyboard, I am discovering what happens next in the book. And, you know, I've been doing it so long and I've written so many books. And in this genre, I feel so comfortable doing it this way that I want to have the experience of wanting to know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. I wake up in the morning to go find out. You know, I, I sit mm-hmm. at the computer to see what happens, and I, I feel like if I have that experience, then the reader will also. Do you talk to your characters? 
like John Jordan, when you wake up in the morning, you go sit down to start writing, or you're like, hey, John. It, it definitely <laughs> is an internal dialogue, I, you know, not, not externally, but I'm always thinking about them and I always hear, you know, hearing what they're doing and uh-huh. what they're thinking, what they're saying. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing dialogue, but it is all internal. Is there someone you know that when you look at them, you, you say, you know, that's actually my character I've been living with for 25 years. <laughs> And maybe you didn't realize it at the time that you were pulling from people all around you and making this character. You definitely pull from, you know, I mean, everything I experience as a novelist is the raw material for my novels. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't include just the people I know and my friends and family and loved ones, but all the characters I've ever read about, all the films I've ever watched. You know, it's just, it's all there. And you reach for, you know, a name. And the name reveals so much. You reach for um, some sort of tick or, or tr- you know, trait in the way someone speaks or the way they, their mannerisms, and it, they just come to life. And then everything else sort of flows out of that. Mm. How did the pandemic play into this? Because if you're just soaking up everything around you and consciously or unconsciously taking this into your writing – so we were all locked away and, and isolated in, in many cases. So were you writing as much during the pandemic? I was. And if you don't mind, I'd like to back up a little bit before that, because as you know, we had a devastating hurricane yes. here yep. in 2018. Hurricane yes. Michael. So I was finishing up a book called... And I, I'm going to interrupt you for one second sure. to say, for anybody who doesn't know, there are parts of the panhandle that still, still. have not recovered from Hurricane Michael. That's right. And probably never will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was finishing up a book called Blue Blood when the hurricane hit, and I was really close, so I decided to go ahead and finish it. But the moment I did, I pivoted, and my entire series turned because I'm essentially writing in full uh, real time. And so I had to work the hurricane into the next book, and it wound up being the next couple of books. Mm-hmm. And I did the same thing with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So as the pandemic was was developing, strengthening, growing. I was finishing up a book, and the next book became Blood Pathogen, where I directly dealt with the pandemic. Right. Wow. Michael Lister is our guest. He is incredibly prolific, and when he says he writes every day, you mean literally you write every day. I used to. Now I write every day when I'm writing a book. Uh Now I try to take some time off in between each book for research, Mm -hmm. You know, getting ready for the next book. So um, usually no more than a, uh, a few weeks, mm-hmm. a month at the most, I'll take off to be doing research. And I'm doing other kinds of writing, journaling and nonfiction writing, things like that. But in terms of writing the next novel, once I start, I, don't, I write every day, no holidays, every single day until it is, it is finished. Well, we're lucky to have him here with us tonight. And, and you're kind of like I am, because there have been times when I'm up in the middle of the night, and I will send you a message, and I get a response from you. And I, okay. <laughs> He's up right. Michael's on the, yes. the, the same uh, clock that I'm on. Yeah. And we lock the door, so he's here for a little while longer. This is a short show tonight. Next week is a full five-hour show. This is a shorty. I'm sorry that the Blackhawks didn't do any better, but hopefully you'll stay with us, and we'll kind of lift your spirits in the next hour, so stick around. And we should mention that uh, coming up next week, uh, we will have – our friend Tom Appel from Consumer Guide, and we will uh, give you the the, uh, the best to look for for the final week of the Chicago Auto Show. Weekend. Yeah, final weekend. 
And then also we're going to have a couple of friends from the Panhandle, mm-hmm. uh, Amy Hoyt, who is a just a, a wonderful newswoman down here. She has been through so many things, and she'll share some of her stories. And we'll introduce you to another friend, Crook Stewart. Uh, Crook was David Crosby's tour manager. He was the Rolling Stones tour manager. Joan Baez, Jackson uh, Brown. The list is very long. He's got stories, stories. to tell, and, <laughs> and he will. But we've got more coming up with Michael Lister. But the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. And we're back. And for those of you who are, who are wondering what the heck happened, well, so are we. Uh, could apparently, have been a storm. It could have been a storm. We have no idea. Uh, we've been here the whole time. And, and it was uh, some of the best radio It's the ever. best stuff we've ever... I mean, this was the Emmy Award broadcast. It was. But I, I think we've decided that Michael has to come back and join us again so we can go over yes. all of that fabulous content that we just covered. So um, Everybody's uh, baffled by da, what happened. I'm going to ask Dan to jump in uh, for a second. Dan, so you didn't give get anything from us after, the, the, uh, after Crawfish, after uh, coming out of the news? Yeah, the uh, you know the bump ended, and Johnny was in the. She had just finished the sentence, and I thought that she was taking just a uh, dramatic pause, as sometimes <laughs> broadcasters do. And then, okay, we've got dead air. I have to go check and make sure that oh, no. the access unit is still connected for those on the inside. And I've never seen huge chunks of data loss like that. So, ah, yeah, I it it really has been incredibly stormy. So I, I'm going to blame it. Well, on I've it. been trying to go on a diet. No, I'm going to blame it on the universe. And yeah, I would not just, be surprised. Let me go on record as saying long periods of silence, not my style. Yeah. You'll rarely so, find so that, that happening over here. So if I'm talking, I probably keep talking, Dan. Well, thank you very much for kind of holding our hand through that because that, that was very weird. And for our listeners' benefit, again, we're, this is uncharted territory. And our listeners are not used to hearing weird from us at all. <laughs> You're right. So... <laughs> well, we have to apologize to, to Michael Lister because he's been wonderful, and I, I'm not kidding you. Good yeah, stuff was there were, missed there were by chunks, all. Of, chunks of data there that that yes. were just absolutely wonderful. Well, that I'm going to ask you to repeat because uh, I'm assuming people did not hear. We were talking about some of Michael's books being made into a movie and, and a, a TV, TV series. series. So I'll ask you to revisit that, starting with your first novel, which uh, has been in the works for a movie. Yes, so um, not my first novel, but... Your first standalone. Yes, the standalone thriller called Double Exposure. It is um, in in production for a feature film, and it's the story of a wildlife photographer who goes out into the deep river swamp in this area to check his camera traps and discovers they've captured a murder. And the murderer is still out there, and so he's trying to survive the night, make it to the river to, to survive to get out of the swamp alive. And that's in production for a feature film. And then my John Jordan series, which we had mentioned that you can try the first one for free. If you go mm-hmm. to my website, which is just michaellister.com, you can get the ebook or you can listen to the entire audio book. If you go to michaellister.com, you can get those for free. That is in production for a TV series. And it will be along the lines of true detective or Bosch, mm-hmm. A limited series where one season essentially equals one novel. Uh-huh. And I'm really excited about both of those projects. And whatever form the podcast of this show takes, all of that information <laughs> will be in the podcast. And we will yes. we'll link it on uh, on and our various web. I also want to re- 
reiterate something that we talked about, this creativity symposium that you're going to be doing March 25th. The whole public is invited to it. It's a four-hour symposium, $40 admission, but you can Zoom it. So for people who are listening to us around the world, they can plug into this and see you talking about what? About creativity, about how to boost your creativity, how, how, how to supercharge your creativity, how to be a more creative person. For four give, hours, you're going to for talk? four hours. Wow. How to give yourself permission to be more creative. You're going to give all your secrets away. All, all of them. <laughs> and you don't have to be local. You can participate via Zoom. Yeah. Is there an age limit? No. Because I'm thinking, no. you know, some really creative young people out yeah. there thinking, well, I'll never be the writer that I want to be. And, and how old were you when you started writing um, well, professionally? professionally, my goal was to be published before I turned 30, and mm. I did make that. So I, I think I started seriously writing. In college, I played around with it, and I tried it, and I you know, just didn't really click. It wasn't until my graduate degree that I – so it was the summer of 94 where it really clicked, and I began writing every day. Mm-hmm. And when was the point where you realized not only do you enjoy writing, are you now writing – but yeah, this is going to be how you're going to make a living. This is going to be the rest of your life. What, was, really, what was that point? Really early on. I remember talking to my first publisher. I was on book tour, and the publisher was located in Sarasota, Florida, and I was there for a, a mm-hmm. book event, and uh, he was driving me to it, and I said, you know, I really want to do this full-time. I was still a full-time prison chaplain, and I said, you know, how soon do you think I'll be able to do this? And he said, oh, man, but I would say by your third book, you'll be, you're, you're, you'll mm-hmm. be there. And, uh, and it wasn't by my third book. It was a little further into the, the process. But I wanted to. I knew I wanted to do it very early on. I just I had done so many creative things, tried so many things, and liked a lot of them. But mm-hmm. nothing ever was fu- as fulfilling as writing the novel. Mm-hmm. You had a bookstore at one point. You taught. I did, yeah. yeah. Taught high school, taught college. Yeah. Um, and was a prison chaplain. Right. But but nothing has ever satisfied, fulfilled me creatively like the novel does. And that that's true of I've written screenplays, short stories. Mm-hmm. It's the novel that, that really does it for me, you know. <laughs> uh one of the, or I would say in all of your books, one of the main characters is this environment, this this area, mm, the panhandle. Yes. And you live in this wonderful town called Wewahitchka. I just like saying Wewahitchka. And we were hitched The home up. of the world's best honey. Right? Yes. Tupelo honey. Yes. Oh, oh, famous for Tupelo yes. honey. Also made famous by a movie starring Peter Fonda. Yes. Yuli's Gold. Yuli's Gold. About Tupelo honey. Yeah. Yeah. Did they actually come to WeWa to film the. They filmed. I was almost in it. There were, there were several of us from the prison that were uh, hired to be extras. And um, so I have several friends in it. Mm-hmm. I, something came up and, and I had to take care of in the prison. But. Uh, they shot in the prison. One of the um, scenes oh, yeah. takes place visiting, and so their dress, it was hilarious. It's actually correctional officers and prison workers dressed in inmate uniforms in the in the background of the uh-huh. scenes. <laughs> well, we live up the road a piece on the beach. We have to come across a big bridge to come to town, which is Panama City. Then you live in Weewahitchka, and the first time we went to Weewahitchka, we said, this is a different world, really just is. like 45 minutes from our house. And we, we 
rode over this little bridge and looked over, and these tree stumps were coming out of the water. Was that the Dead Lakes? Yes. That's oh, so that wild. With the cypress trees. The yeah. cypress mm-hmm. trees, and then at night, I was just sure as we were driving down these dark roads that there oh, was. As, as we were driving home fr- from your house, th- there were uh, something was going to scenes playing out in yeah. our mind as we're driving down I said, because Do this is stop. the blackest road we have ever been on. I, my my son, after he read Double Exposure, he said, "Dad, you know what you do? You write rural noir." And I was like, "Oh, I like that. I like yeah. that. That's yeah. perfect." Yeah. Because, as I said at the outset, very noirish. Um, in, in particular, the one of your your characters in the forties—that's mm. obvious. Yes. But there's still that 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 eeriness that the the hanging kudzu is like always in my head as I'm reading your stuff. <laughs> what tips would you have? For someone, for those budding writers who want to do that, but the publishing industry has changed so much right now. People think, oh, I'm going to get a publisher, I'll get an advance, unless your name, unless you're the other Stephen (laughs) King, that ain't going to happen to you. So what piece of advice do you have to the person listening to you right now and say, I want to do this, but how do I do this? Well, in terms of writing, you have to write. You have to write every day, Mm -hmm. you know, or write often. Um, and and I would also say that's where you need to take the joy from is the is the part is the creating the, mm-hmm. the the creative process. You know, if you I some of the most frustrating years of my life was between my first novel being published and my second, mm-hmm. and that was to my shock and disbelief a seven year period went oh. between those two books. Wow. And I was miserable. I was I was still writing, mm-hmm. and I was producing what I thought was good work, and it wasn't getting published. And every single day, I was wondering, when will I be published again? What what can I do? And and I eventually I got to the place where I realized, like the Serenity Prayer, I have no control over that part. What I have control over is I can write good work every single day and trust that eventually it will be published. Eventually, mm-hmm. it will get out there. And so the the most important thing is the the work itself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do an audible. Uh, we're going to break for the news. Can we impose on you to stick around for a few more minutes? Sure, because sure. We, we'd like to let everybody hear your first song. And there is a specific reason behind this song. So we want to get to a little bit of that. But right now we're going to break for news on WGN. That is the uh, debut single for our in-studio guest, author Michael Lister. And uh, that single is about someone that that Michael and Johnny and I were very, very fortunate to know. Uh, Tom Hoots uh, knew him too. Uh, an incredible man, an incredible talent named Dave Lloyd. And uh, some of you have heard we played in the past a, a, a Les Paul medley I did called uh, A Little a little More or Less. And uh, I played lead guitar, and that was Dave Lloyd playing a 10-stringed instrument called a Chapman stick and doing things with his hands that, that no human being should be able to do. Uh, Michael, you and, and, and Dave were good friends for a long time. And give us a little bit of the backstory. I mean, I mean, this is one of those, we really need to share Dave's story with people listening who may not know who this wonderful human being and talent was. Yeah, he was a, a tremendous musician, and um, he was a counselor mm-hmm. and a healer. Uh, we met as teenagers. We both had bands. 
and uh, we played together and um, then we both moved away from the area and essentially lost touch. He he was was all over the world for a long time and eventually we both wound up back here and so we reconnected and whereas we were, you know, close as teenagers, we really as as grown men became extremely close and he became the best friend I ever had and then really as close as a brother, the closest mm-hmm. thing to a brother I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And we went through so many things together, the death of his brother um, and so many life changes and events. And we just became very close. And we mentioned earlier Hurricane Michael, which, which devastated our lives in this region in 2018. And Dave actually died just a few months before that. Mm-hmm. So uh, 2018 was a, was a tough year. He was a young man, too. He was. was. Just to give you a a little uh, smidgen of an idea of the talent Dave had, you're going to have to help me with this because I forget the the specifics of the language, but I will never forget the night. Dave and I were rehearsing in our house. Johnny was fixing dinner, and after we'd finished rehearsing, Dave started playing this song that he wrote in what was the language? So he took the original um, New Testament Greek language is what he was studying. Yeah. And he wrote the Lord's Prayer in that language. He wrote it. I'm sorry. He wrote the song. Right. He created a song based on that language, the, the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, I mean, th- this is where his mind went. Just one of the most yeah. amazing people that... And so humble. I mean, yeah. just a yeah, sweet yeah, man that was yeah. so humble. And as far as his talent was concerned, you, you know, I, I stood in the kitchen and just listened to the two of you, and you would start a note, and he'd just mm-hmm. take off. And I thought, he Whoa. could play anything. He could, yeah. absolutely. Oh. Yes, yes. Now, you uh, not only are you releasing this, the song is called A Certain Age, you're releasing it as a single, but also a video. Uh, the, share with the yes, class so the, uh, how people can access all of the above. Sure. Certain Age is uh, available on all the streaming platforms, mm-hmm. but there's a music video that goes with it that is available on my YouTube channel. So if you mm-hmm. just go to Michael Lister Books or Michael Lister on YouTube, you'll see A Certain Age. And it'll give you a better sense of day. There's a lot of pictures of him in you know early life mm-hmm. when we first met all the way through to the at the end is the very last picture of taken of us. Did the song come to you easily, or was it cathartic? Or it, both. I mean, it, it did flow once I started. It's one of the first songs I've ever uh, ever wrote. The last two years, I've really started writing songs, and and um, but this was one of the first ones I wrote. One of the first ones I wanted to write. Mm-hmm. And um, when I started it, there was a was a real flow, and it was it was so helpful to express. Mm-hmm. You know the the emotions and and the what I was experiencing by losing essentially a brother. Well, you had a, a record release get together birthday party earlier uh, this evening. Um, I, I envisioned not a dry eye in the house. I mean that that's how I would feel. It was it was a very wonderful experience. It was at the Panama City Center for the Arts. Mm-hmm. We had a packed house, a standing room only. I, I was shocked with the weather we're having. Yeah, and Mardi Gras going on. I just didn't know, but we had a wonderful turnout. We had a lot of fellow musicians playing. The person who created the the cover was there. The artist. We had a, a local actress was our MC. It was a wonderful night. And related to something you did earlier, at the Panama City Center for the Arts, their art show right now is Crawfish. And it's 
full of fourth grader competition artwork of crawfish. Oh. How cool. That's kind of See, spooky. you think we don't plan this I show? <laughs> Boy, the thought wow. and planning that went into this, it's just amazing. We talked earlier about the fact that um, you don't write every day. When you're not working on a book, you do take some downtime and play a little basketball and hang out with your grandbaby and live life. Do you have another project in the works? I mean, is there a always, target date always. to start? Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm writing now. I'm in the middle of a novel now. Um, my new series, Burke and Blade, mystery mm-hmm. thriller series set I in Panama City series. Beach. Thank you. Thank you. Two foster kids who grew up in the system together, and they are the closest thing to family that each other has. When they were in a really good foster situation, their foster sister, when she was in college, disappeared, just vanished off the face mm-hmm. of the earth, and they became obsessed with finding her. And they became specialists in finding missing persons. So I am working on the fifth Burke and Blade novel right now. By the way, we, we should mention that we've been getting some texts at uh, 312-981-7200. Some people yes. uh, who had some comments for Michael. I read all the John Jordan books, and I love them. I couldn't wait to get the next one. Mm. Uh, also, another listener said... Uh, when are you, go- you just answered that question. When are you coming out with a new book? Uh, and uh, and someone else wanted to know if we were kidding when we said that you'd written over 50 books. We wouldn't lie about a thing like that. Why would we? No. I mean, this this is what the man does for a living. He just does it incredibly well, yes. which puts him on the New York Times and the USA Today bestsellers list. Thank In you. fact, I get concerned because uh, at last check, I think there is some new product of yours coming out at least about every other month. And if you're behind schedule, I get upset. <laughs> well, we Thank have a you. shelf that's um, um, a Seriously, very we have a Michael big Lister shelf. shelf of Michael Lister. In fact, someone was at our house spending uh, some time at Christmas, and they came out of our guest room and said, so who is this Michael Lister guy? He's all over the shelf there. <laughs> well, you can find out more about him at michaellister.com, M I C H A E L. L-I-S-T-E-R dot com. And yes, to answer the texter who said, what, what, I could actually read the first book for free? Absolutely. Yes, you can find all of that information at Michael's site, michaellister.com. And we'll have all the information up on our website and on our Facebook page. Uh, Right now, before we take a break, want to remind you we're getting ready for the last call. So if you want to be our last caller, and yes, there we have prizes for the last call. Yes. Give us a call at 312-981-7200. That number again, 312-981-7200. A last call is coming up, so stay with us at WGN. Yeah, that's it. Lights are flickering. Lights are flickering. Last call. That's it. (laughs) So belly up to your telephone. (laughs) And for those of you who are new to our last call, we take a bunch of calls. And to make it fair, as opposed to it being the first caller uh, on the line, we don't know who came in first. Uh, Andrew just simply tells us how many people we have on the line. We choose a number, and he says, oh, that's going to be Kathy. Kathy. So Hi, Kathy, Kathy is our last caller Hi. tonight. Hey, how are you tonight, Kathy? Hi, and I'm so happy to hear you were back. I never talked to you before, but I'm a longtime listener and fan. Oh, great. Oh, well, well, now we're nervous to talk to you because <laughs> we've never talked to you. Where are you calling from? Uh, yeah, Chicago, Illinois. I'm in Bridgeport in Chicago. Okay. Chinatown. No, it will. Yes, yeah, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. Why are you usually up at this hour of the night? Or well, are I used you to take usually? care of my modern and I. We used to listen to you all the time, and I got a dog, and I, you know, I take her out one more time, and mm-hmm. I'm on disability because of my legs, so I'm, I'm mostly, I'm up kind of late. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we could so, be there for you. What, what, what kind of a dog, and what's her name? Or his name? She's a mutt. We, we, I really don't know. Her name is Figleaf. We got her at PetSmart. <laughs> Figleaf? <laughs> yeah, because I had a Jack Russell, and she had cancer of the pancreas, so we found her at PetSmart. Uh-huh. But you so got to admit, Fig, like, Figleaf you know, isn't... Like, they're your kid, you know? Sure, but Figleaf well, is an odd name for your kid. Where did you come up with the name Figleaf? I love she that. She was from those floods in Mississippi, so I guess that's what they named her, so they kept oh. her name. Oh, that's I can't it's... believe I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> we <laughs> can't believe either. we're talking to you. <laughs> it's such an honor, you know? Well, thank well, you. Well, well, we're honored. Are you going to be watching the Super Bowl later today? Probably. The both of you sound real good. And, and, oh, thank and, and you. You sound like, like, it's, like I feel like we're back in old times, you know? Oh, thanks. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's... Do you ever talk it, to Nick anymore? How's he doing? Oh, sure. Nick, Nick is doing fine. Uh, he has a podcast going. Uh, he spends oh, some yeah. time on another radio station every now and then. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Nick is part of the family. And he's yeah, very... listen to him, too. He's very active on uh, Facebook. So for anybody who wants to find yeah. him, you can find him. And he's uh, going to movies all the time. Yep. And he's very active reviewing movies. And, you know, that's his passion. That's yeah, his love. That's his, he's so, the movie guy. So how yeah. are you two doing? You sound, great, so, you sound great. so good, the both of well, you. We're tickled that we can be doing our show from Florida. And next week is a yeah. full five hours, Kathy. So you better thank be here goodness. top of the show. I miss you guys. <laughs> well, well, thank you. It's not long enough. <laughs> well, thank you well, so much. Well, next week it's going to be five hours. Uh, Kathy, we're going to put you on hold, and we're going to get all of your private information. Yeah, yes. You, uh, admit, why don't you come on some extra nights, too? Oh, give us time, all right? <laughs> I mean, I'm I taking this in. When I found out you were back, I cried. I said, "Oh my God!" Oh, you're so crying. sweet. Oh, that's well, very you. sweet. Well, well then God we bless uh, the both of you, and I'm so glad you're back. And well, we are so good health, and I'll be listening. We are so week. proud. You are going to be wearing a WGN Retro Radio T-shirt. Okay. And you can talk. You can talk to uh, Andrew B. He's going to find out what size you want. And you're also going to receive your own desktop weather station from American Weather Makers. And these are highly collectible. Uh, this American Weather Makers heating, cooling, and plumbing. The sixty minute men visit AmericanWeatherMakers dot com. So Kathy, hold on for a couple seconds, and we'll get some okay. information from you off the Thank air. Thank you. And we want to spend a second or two. And uh, we want. We said we were going to talk a little bit about the uh, the Super Bowl yeah. because. We have a horse in this race now. Well, we do here in, in Bay County. Yeah. There's a, a young man. I think I, was, I just said he's like six foot four or five and 260 pounds. And, and um, everybody's been buzzing about the fact that he comes from the local high school, Bay High School here in Panama City. His name is Janarius Robinson, and he's has the chance to earn a Super Bowl ring with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, so uh, And we really didn't have a horse in the race, but when we found right out now, about him, we said, well, yeah. heck yeah. Absolutely. And there are a lot of really cool things that are going to happen during the Super Bowl. There's going to be a flyover, and for the first time ever, it's going to be completely done by females. Yeah. And that's never happened before. Yeah. And Chris Stapleton is going to be singing the national anthem, which is cool. But I think Chris should be given the opportunity to do the, the halftime show, in my opinion. But uh, And this is the first time that we have two black quarterbacks this is true. in the Super Bowl. Yes. But there are a lot of firsts in, and in the Super Bowl. Rhiannon is going to be the halftime show. There is, there's a line or two in Vegas. I cannot believe this. One of her popular songs about, oh, 10 years or so ago, seven, 10 years ago, was Umbrella. Mm-hmm. So there was a line on whether or not she will open an umbrella during that song. 
I'm going to so say bet. I'm going to bet yes. There is also um, a very active line on what color her hair will be for halftime. The sports what book, col- the sports books alone are just going to make like a ton of money just off the prop bets, well, not even the game, just the prop bets. Oh, oh you know what? Gabe? Yeah. Here's what baffles me: if in fact this is legitimate, that you can bet on things like what color will her dress be, what color will her hair be, what's to stop her stage crew? From saying, well, I know what she's going to wear. Put my money on that. You know, I'm thinking. That's a good I hadn't thought about. I think we need to investigate that. Gabe, can you get on that? Well, (laughs) coming up in my 2 o'clock newscast, I'm going to have a story about uh, some of the Super Bowl bets that'll be ongoing. Things such as, like, you know, uh, the the color of the Gatorade and other abstract things. That's another one. Yes. (laughs) And what's what's the first beer commercial that's going to run? Right. I mean, it's got to be Budweiser, I would think. I don't know. And yeah. who's the company? Uh, Gabe, maybe you can uh, help me with this. There was some beer company that hasn't been a Super Bowl sponsor in years, and they're coming back. Is it Miller, or what is it? You know, I'm not quite sure. I would have to look that up. I am, I am not uh I, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure about that. I would have, definitely have to look now, that up. I'm, are you are you the kind of uh, Super Bowl watcher that goes to the kitchen during the commercials, or do you stay and watch the commercials and then have the food there ready? I, I try to stay and watch the commercials because yes. because they do interest me. Where, as opposed uh, to my wife, she does. She only watches for the commercials and <laughs> and the halftime you. show. So yeah. yes, yes. Um, what is going to be your Super Bowl snack of choice? Mine is going to be uh, the nachos. Oh, wings. Okay. I want wings. Right. I'm I'm doing air fryer wings. So we're we're doing yep. the locale, the the diet version of Super Bowl food. <laughs> I may have mentioned this last week, but I'm still waiting for someone to come up because I love nachos. And somebody like uh Fritos, somebody needs to come out with a Frito bacon combination. Oh. I would be right there. Because they did listen to me when I said when I said we need potato chips that taste like dill pickles. They heard me. So we got that. So, Steve, you know, with this 50,000-watt blowtorch, you may have your bacon-flavored Fritos before you know it. (laughs) So who are you picking in the Super Bowl, Gabe? You know, I don't have a completely vested interest as far as who's going to win, but I will say that I I would be happy if Philadelphia won only because – of uh, the Jalen Hurts story, they you know they tried to move yes. him to yeah. wide receiver in college after he had you know a couple of bad games and mm-hmm. you know uh, he he proved everybody wrong and winning the Super Bowl would just you know put the icing on the cake that he can't play That's quarterback true. in the lead, in elite level. Yeah, I'm, you know what? Yeah, that, That's another reason to go for the Eagles. Yes, yes, and our Bay County guy, yeah, I'm yeah. all for that. Good. Well, we got just a couple minutes, but I want to take a, those couple minutes. And thank everybody who helped make this happen. Uh, Dan Long back at in the WGN studios. Dan, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Dan's heart restarted job. about 45 minutes ago. Your heart started back again, didn't it? Had to break out the defibrillator <laughs> back here. <laughs> <laughs> and again, uh, uh, folks, this is uncharted territory. We were tickled that we could be here. We're coming back next Saturday night. And tonight was a chance to, you know, learn. Next Saturday night, we're coming back to this studio. To this studio. We'll still be in Florida right. for a five-hour show. For so we start hours. at 9 o'clock. Yep. And next Saturday, we will introduce you to uh, some friends from down here. Uh, one of them is uh, a guy named Crook Stewart. Mm-hmm. You may not know the name, but Crook was David Crosby's tour manager. He was the Rolling Stones tour manager. Uh, Joan Baez, Jackson Brown, 
I mean, probably you name someone in music and, and Crook has worked for them because he's highly respected for his as a musician, he set all that aside to become a road manager. Well, as a matter of fact, speaking of uh, his talent as a musician, uh, Tom Hoots, uh, who's in the studio with us here, you've had uh, Crook uh, in the studio several times, right? Yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorite uh, drummers. And mm-hmm. sometimes we get songs and we just have to replace the drums. Yeah. And I, don't, I know of no one better that you can just bring in and... Uh, change out the drums on a song. He's just mm. almost magic. It's a very difficult thing to do, and he's just just very, very good at it. And, and a lot of times you don't want a click track. You want a real drummer with real feeling. Yeah, he's just, like I said, he's just tremendous. Well, he's an interesting guy, and maybe we'll get him to say that he's going to write the book sometime, too, because you know he's got stories to oh, tell. Oh, he has stories, right. top of stories. Andrew B. Harris, our producer, uh, behind the other glass. Uh, Andrew, thank you for keeping this all together and for keeping us from uh, falling completely apart. It was hard work resuscitating Dan after this. <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> and again, for those of you just tuning in, we had a little glitch. We think a storm rolled through here. And boy, it's been raining for two days, and it's supposed to finally clear up at some point on Sunday. But it, it, I mean, when it rains here, it's a break out the ark kind of rain. So <laughs> the, the good news is next Saturday, it's not supposed to rain. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we hope you will uh, join us next Saturday. Again, we'll have Crook Stewart. We will introduce you to uh, Amy Hoyt, mm-hmm. who is a, a longtime newswoman in the Panhandle in uh, Panama City and Panama City Beach. And uh, she has stories to tell of how this area covered things after hurricane michael right and uh, that was one of our first introductions to next star media right and, and the way they came through in hurricane michael so that's just a little oh and also tom appell will join us right. and we'll recap uh, or give you a preview of the last weekend of the chicago auto show so thank you guys for hanging out with us uh, don't forget you can follow us on facebook facebook.com slash steve and johnny show and also check out our blog that's stephenjohnny.wordpress.com. And we've been blogging for about the past 10 years. You'll find things on uh, on music, on people, on cars, Recipes. on everything. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think, uh, are we going to pull the plug for real now? I think, I think this time we're just going to go ahead and pull the plug. All right. <laughs> okay, I would say more, but...